Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Elfrink and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Welcome in on a Tuesday. We're on this edition of Fantasy Sports Daily. We are doing uh, something that you will constantly see uh, when those that lean in to British tradition, they celebrate royalty, monarchy. Today, Ray Flowers and I will lean in on royalty. Hell, I even wore some uh, royal blue Ray Flowers as we get set to talk about the Kansas City Royals. Uh, but who do you have behind you? Is that Wade Davis? Is that an ancient photo of Wade Davis? See, I don't play this game to see if I can fake Kyle out, but yeah. Kyle's eye is very astute. That is indeed the one and only Wade Davis. Thirty. I, I, I love for those who actually care about the Royals, Ray, instead of, you know, posting a, a vision of the scoreboard where they've lost 12 to 2 and kind of reminding them where they are. You went back to the glory days, baby. Look at that. There's even fans in every row of the stand. At, at the K there in Kansas City. Yeah, I have a compilation of photos that have obviously been pulled over the years for articles and such. And uh, this one, I have a, I have a large collection uh, on my computer from 2018 before we started a new system at fantasyguru.com. So a lot of them are stored on my computer versus on the, the back end of the site. So I got a lot of photos from 2018 to bust out here over the next couple of months. Okay, well, we're busting out the Royals in our team previews today. Great to have everyone on board. I know we've got people uh, via X, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're at, those who download the podcast. We appreciate them as well. Um, we always appreciate questions in, in Discord. You know, you can send us questions here on the show. But, Ray, we talk about this with Fantasy Guru, the, the idea that really – 24-7, 22-7, pretty well every hour of the day. There's somebody in Discord to help you. And and Doug has already chimed in with a question that may be worth uh, mentioning, Ray, talking about um, how you, as somebody of many that answer questions uh, over in Discord, um, how in-depth can you get <laughs> with those questions? Which I'm guessing, you know, here we are about ready to switch from February to March and officially really digging into draft season. Um, those questions can become... Um, a little more winding, a little more involved. Uh, baseball is just that way with fantasy questions, Ray. It's it's much more difficult than other sports. I maybe basketball has this because of eight categories, nine categories, and trying to fill in and figuring out where do I take this guy. You know, I just need help in steals. Baseball's got a little bit of that, but there's even so much more going on with baseball. So this is a time of year where questions can be rather lengthy. And uh, Doug is asking uh, your opinion on the lengthy nature of some of those questions <laughs> that question you asked here on the show doug that's as long as it can be <laughs> no, no two uh, lines baby two yeah. lines maybe two questions in those two lines. uh 26 words no i think that what generally happens especially at this time of year is people ask questions because they missed an article and i'm that's easy here go read this article about this topic or they have keeper questions that's generally what we get and the keeper questions are very involved Sometimes it's five keepers, eight keepers, five outfielders, three outfielders, seven pitchers, nine pitchers. Sometimes there's dollar amounts. Sometimes there's round values. Sometimes there's none of that. Sometimes you can keep a player for two years. Sometimes it's five. So, you know, I'm a pretty quick reader. And I would honestly say that I'd rather get all the information at once versus having a back and forth that ends up taking six hours because I respond, then you're at work, and then you respond, I'm writing an article. So, yeah, I, I hate doing this because it's, you know, okay. But I'd rather have more than, than yeah. less. 
So go ahead, write me the paragraph. Uh, you're paying for the product. We're happy to help you out there at fantasyguru.com. There you go. Ray wants all that he can handle. So let's see what he can handle. Hit him up in Discord. And and again, all of our talents, both on the baseball side or if you got football questions, hockey DFS, basketball DFS, um, all those many things can be addressed in Discord. As for what we're going to address today, mention the Kansas City Royals. Additionally, um, players that you usually connect to a team like the Royals, you know, player 24, 25, 26, those players are actually ending up with teams that we expect to contend, like the Dodgers, like the Cardinals, like the Twins. We will talk about some veteran moves that were made on Monday and what, if anything, that should mean to you, the fantasy player. Uh, let's see, outfield is the position that we are focusing on this week. Today, we will talk surprises of 23. What are the chances? that they can repeat in 24. Ray's daily Fantasy Guru Baseball Draft Guide column will focus on starting pitchers, or maybe just pitchers in general, um, who changed their pitch mix. And maybe even some guys who are, are talking about changing their pitch mix coming into this season. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, interesting batting order tidbits for your Tuesday of spring training, one with Baltimore, one with the Dodgers. And we'll sneak in a little NFL news. No surprise, those running backs are still getting crapped on by the powers that be. Nobody wants a running back. Most certainly, Ray, the teams that have the running backs are no longer wanting. There was literally a run. Maybe it was all Adam Schefter. But, but Ray, I think he released like, you know, five tweets in a row that said, this guy's team doesn't want him back. This guy's team doesn't want him back. This guy's these are all known dudes, right? Like, like in baseball or other sports, you'll see, oh yeah, we'd love to have him back. The, the reporting here indicates, right, that none of these teams want to pay these running backs. So we all begin guessing who's actually going to pay these guys next year. <laughs> yeah, well, it's tough, and, and we'll talk more about it. But it, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that you can get, you know, good. We talk about this a lot. There's not much difference between most running backs. Some running backs are, are faster, some are quicker, some are stronger, some are better in short yardage. You know, so there's differences, but really there's a lot of similarity. You find a guy that fits your scheme, and we see it all the time. The, the prime example, the Arian Foster, from nothing to you know all pro. So teams don't want to pay $10 million to a guy that's aged and been beat up for five years when they can pay you know 900000 to this guy. It's just an economic scenario, and it's, it's one of the few positions where, yeah, you might lose a little bit, but is it worth paying 10 times as much to lose that little bit? Probably not. And they're still going to find homes. These guys are, you know, for the most part, still kind of young. Um, it's just a matter of uh, teams convincing them, hey, this is what we're going to pay you. This is what you're going to get. You ain't getting more. And, and we'll see how running backs react. So we'll get to that near the end of the show. Uh, Ray, of course, we've got uh, all sorts of deals and, uh, you know, attractions, if you will, things that you salivate over at Fantasy Guru. So, Give us the run through. What's uh, shaking over there today as people maybe look to uh, continue to get ready for the baseball season? Yeah, we have our off-season football product since we're talking about it. It's $19.99. It covers you uh, through the draft, right? So if you want to get all the run-up to that, we're doing reviews of last season. Tyler Beaker just posted one talking about defenses and how that's changed the scoring in fantasy football, so you can check that out. So you get access to the old stuff, and that's all the way uh, to the draft. That's the uh, off-season franchise mode. Uh, we've got the overall package, which we goes by many names, but let's just call it the NBA All-In Package, which gets you NBA, NHL, college basketball, PGA, racing, MMA, and soccer. All of those. All of them for all the sports for wagering and for DFS for all of those sports, only $75. 
And then we've, of course, got the baseball product, which, as we say every day on the show, is not a preseason product. It's a full season product. So we'll have you covered all the way to the World Series. Uh, that product is available right now. You can click on the Join Now tab in the top right of the website for all of these things. You can see the links there on the screen. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20, FSD20, to get you a 20% discount. And I was told, Kyle, we've been talking about this. The baseball product is on uh, early bird pricing. I was told it's going to change next week. No. So even if you, you – know, the promo code will still work next week, but then the price point will go up to start with. So this this week, get in now because the price is going to start going up next week. The threat has been issued by one Ray Flowers. So uh, get on it, people. You need to do this before March 1st, okay? Uh, this is a leap year. You actually, by the way, get an extra day, but but that's only an extra day for you to delay doing things. Do it now. Do it now over at Fantasy Guru. Dot com. Okay, let us get into what we've got for you here at uh, Fantasy Sports Daily. And you were just talking about that draft guide, Ray. Um, one of the uh, features, especially in the preseason, is as news happens, Ray Flowers will adjust rankings. Mm -hmm. Ray Flowers will drop guys, raise guys, whatever the situation may be. Uh, Ray, I bring that up because I'm wondering yesterday when Kiki Hernandez went back to the Dodgers, when Manny Margot went to the Twins, when Brandon Crawford... Went to the Cardinals. Were any adjustments made <laughs> with any of those three guys? Adjustments were made to the player pool so that when the <laughs> players, if if the players do show up, they'll be on the correct teams. Um, no. I mean, Manny Margot actually, uh, I think I dropped him off the list. He was at like, you know, 124 in the outfield or something. So now he's 130. Um, Kiki Hernandez, I mean. You know, if you're looking for a 240 guy with 14 home runs, okay, great. Like, I don't always that moment every year where people are picking up Kiki Hernandez. There is. And, you know, Brandon Crawford's offense. I'm really surprised at Brandon Crawford. Uh, you know, I understand he wants to keep playing in the Giants. Apparently didn't have an interest. But, you know, he's born and raised in the Bay Area is Brandon Crawford. He spent his entire career with the Giants. You know, it's been an integral part of champ World Series championships. Kind of disappointing to see him, yeah. you know, because this is, you know, you know, this is the one or two year off and. But it, we joke for years, you and I, how the Cardinals and the Giants often build in a similar manner. So it's interesting. My guy now becomes your guy. Yeah, discarded by the Giants, the Cardinals gladly welcoming <laughs> Brandon Crawford. Um, uh, and, and interestingly enough, I guess if Crawford were to somehow make this team, um, it might mean that Matt Carpenter would not make this team. So <laughs> who knows which of those vets uh, will make it. Uh, my brother had a good comment, and I did pass this along to Ray yesterday. Um, he said he didn't want to get carried away. He didn't want to get overzealous with the signing of Brandon Crawford. But at this point, the Cardinals, in his estimation, uh, are probably the leading contenders to win the 2016 World Series. So they're, they're, they're coming for it. I don't even know who won it in 2016. Uh, maybe it was the Royals, <laughs> for all I know. <laughs> but uh, here come the Cardinals, who, who have that pitching staff of guys in their mid-30s who have Matt Carpenter back, who have Goldschmidt and Arenado as their centerpieces. Those guys are, of course, a little long in the tooth. Um, Yadier Molina's back on the, the helping out with the team. Uh, Daniel Descalso is helping with the team. <laughs> Matt Carpenter. Now we got Brandon Crawford. I mean, Ray, this is, this is exciting times uh, for those who grew up 10 years ago watching Cardinal baseball. <laughs> yeah, we were joking about the pitching staff. Uh, pitching staff is 34, 35, 36, 36. Uh, and then Stephen Matz at 33 is the youngster. Uh, and then Matt Carpenter and Brandon Crawford add their ages up. And we're, we're over 75 years of age between those two guys. So it's uh, it's not a young team. And, you know, there, there are various ways to build a, a winning team in 2024. 
Uh, the Cardinals are doing something no one else is doing. So we'll yeah. see if it works for them this year. Well, let's uh, talk about one of those young teams. Uh, honestly, it feels like they've been a young team for quite some time. The, the Kansas City Royals are, I, I, I don't want to say, Ray, they're stuck in this never-ending rebuild of like Oakland or, or Pittsburgh because the Royals can point to less than a decade ago where they were the top team in baseball. And and really for about a three-year span, Ray, it was, it was stellar. Um, honestly, it kind of reminds me of, uh, the old St. Louis Rams where they were like awesome for three or four years on the first eight year or the first six, seven years before that. And then the next seven or eight years after that, they sucked. They were terrible, but they always had that three year span of where the Royals can kind of look to that. Um, unfortunately that only buys you so much goodwill. Um, this team last year, well over a hundred losses, um, to their credit, they, they've got a, what appears to be a true superstar in Bobby Witt Jr., and they're giving them a ton of money. So that's always exciting when, when a uh, team that has never spent money is now spending money. Um, and we'll get to Witt Jr., of course. But, Ray, the rest of this team is, is I don't want to say a mystery, but it's um, uninspiring. You know, there's a couple of guys here and there that get you excited. Let's start with our player profile, which is one of these guys that, that has a bit of excitement. Last year, I feel like there was much more for this mm -hmm. player. It's leveled off a bit going into this year. It's MJ Melendez. Uh, first things first, Ray, outfield only. Last year, he was kind of living under the uh, Dalton Varsho umbrella. You know, these rare outfielder catcher guys. And Varsho doesn't have catcher either. So both these guys had intrinsic value purely because of that position next to their name. Melendez does not have that this year. So what is his value, Ray Flowers? Well, I think if you play on Yahoo, he probably still does have catcher eligibility. <laughs> he played 10 games there last year. He shouldn't in the majority of leagues. Uh, I think he's he's interesting, and he's an interesting guy to talk about because of what he can do on the field and because of this loss of position. And he is someone that I had many conversations with people last year in Discord throughout the season because I kept saying, look, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Have patience if you can. And it did get better. Eventually did. And in the end, the numbers were about what we expected, so it wasn't some breakout season or anything like that. But after the early struggles, he finally came on late as things leveled off. But the loss of catcher eligibility is significant. Uh, as an outfielder, he's just a guy. And, you know, if if somehow your league has, you know, qualification that's low, if he qualifies there now with the 10 games, or if it's a handful of games in season, at that point when he becomes catcher eligible, then he's really intriguing. But as an outfield option... He is a very moderate play because he's not a 30 home run guy. He's probably not stealing double digit bases. He's not a 300 hitter. So he kind of just drifts into the mix in the outfield. Well, and just to further your point, you know, looking at those numbers, 235, 16 homers, 56 ribbies, 65 runs and six steals. You put that on a catcher. He's top 10, right? I, I think he is top 12. He's a catcher one. The the, the only way he probably gets catcher eligibility. Um, and this is a maybe. You know, Sal Perez went down and at his age, you know, it can happen. And they've got, I think they just signed like Austin Nola or something recently. Mm -hmm. So they, they've got some veteran depth. So even then you wouldn't be certain. Plus you don't want the back and forth of one day you're a catcher, the next day you're an outfielder. Oh, your future's in the outfield, but now we need you as a catcher. So understand that with Melendez. I want to go back to something you said, Ray, last season, because it was rough. It, it was very quiet in the early goings. And, and you reiterated here today that you, Kept reinforcing to people to turn around. And turn. Is it was that reasoning that argument of a year ago? Is it because of of those 
bullet points we see. Is that what you were looking at the whole time? And, and I bring that up as a reminder, come April, come May, even into June, Ray, when you have disappointing pieces, looking at things like exit velocity, where they stand in the grand scheme of things for barrel rate, hard hit rate, that is the hope, if you will. And that's the hope that eventually came through, uh, through with Melendez last year. Yeah, I think there was two things with him. One, I did not anticipate that his uh, strikeout rate would continue as high as it was, about 30% in the first half of the season. Still wasn't good in the second half, but it dropped down to 26%. So we had more contact. So that played out the way we expected. But I think a lot of it has to do with those numbers we see there. I'm not saying the dude was Cal Schwarber-like, but look at those numbers for those of you that have it on the screen. Top 4% in all of baseball. Every position, every player. Top 4% in exit velocity. Top 9% in hard hit rate, top 25% in barrel rate. It happens on occasion where a guy hits the ball like poop and has a great season. We talked about Kyle, uh, Cody Bellinger yesterday. His numbers don't support what he did, so it happens that way. It also happens in the other direction where a guy hits the ball really hard and he doesn't have the production. That happens. But generally speaking, you don't hit the ball as well as Melendez did last year and suck. Because, I mean, just it's logic, right? Like you're hitting the ball and the screws over and over again. Eventually – it evens out. Now, again, even the evening out, he hit 235. This wasn't, you know, it didn't rise to the level. Oh, my gosh, this guy's a 290 hitter with 30 home runs. And, again, I'm not predicting that this year. But that was a main driver. We thought the contact would improve, and he was just hitting the ball, ball so darn hard. I just couldn't understand how a guy who's pretty athletic was going to hit 205 last year doing that. Mm -hmm. Could you see 2010, 20 homers, 10-plus steals or not? I think that's pushing it. I, I think that's pushing it in the steals column, but it's not crazy at all. He's not a lumbering guy. You can see from the photo there. He's not, you know, an overweight yeah. you know, backstop, not a traditional what we think of. Um, I wouldn't draft him expecting that. But, yeah, I think I would feel more comfortable with him hitting 25 home runs and stealing 10 bases. But, you know, 22-9, 22-8, yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's, that's a fair uh, place to go if you're looking to be a little aggressive. Yeah, maybe as a sixth outfielder in like a 12-team league, kind of a guy taking a shot on. Uh, moving from Melendez, staying with the Royals, let's hit our four questions with this team. And number one, Ray, is kind of a piggyback on Melendez. Um, he's going to be at the top of the order, may even be leadoff. Um, they've got Melendez, they've got Witt, they've got Perez, and then I'd throw Pasquantino in there. After that, Ray, is there a hitter that you even have a modicum of interest in on this team, or is it four and none with this Royals well, team? I think Nelson Velasquez, who there will be a player profile out coming out soon at fantasyguru.com. I think he's worth looking at because I think that Velasquez, if everything coalesces, he could be one of those guys we're not talking about that has 30 home runs this year. Uh, oh. I don't know how great his overall game is going to be or if he's going to fall into kind of the Melendez zone of, yeah, we'll pick him up and use him when we have a need, but we're not counting on him kind of player. But he's probably the one guy. Mikel Garcia, maybe too, Kyle. You know, maybe uh, – I think he's got the speed to, to pick up the stolen base level from where he was at last year, uh, but he does have some work to do with the bat. Uh, let's go to the bullpen. Here's another team, Ray. Who's the guy? I mean, it's not Wade Davis. We can't go back five, six years ago and have Wade Davis. Will Smith was brought in. Mm -hmm. Now, it's it's kind of interesting with Will Smith. Um, the last three or four years, I feel like he's just journeyed around baseball and kind of been a seventh, eighth inning guy. I guess he has a shot with the ninth inning here. There's this James MacArthur guy that I, I know very, very little about. And, and I think he was a guy at the end of last season just kind of landed in the role, you know, to, to and have somebody. But overall, this bullpen, Ray, is just a bunch of 
arms and I don't even know that they're great arms. It's, it's a very, and we've had a couple of these teams already. It's a really uninspiring group of candidates in the bullpen for the Royals. All Will Smith does is win Kyle world series after world series. You know, that guy, yeah, Will Travis. Row, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So go Royals. <laughs> uh, I think, I, in my opinion, I think he is the guy to own over MacArthur. One, because he's got experience. And two, you know, why not? And I don't know why this makes a lot of difference, but drive his value up and trade him, right? Yeah. Like Will Smith is not part of the future. Not that MacArthur necessarily is, but he's seven, eight years younger. Uh, Will Smith is is the, the guy in the lead. You look at this bullpen, the way it's currently structured, he might be the only lefty there, which is a little concerning. Because, you know, you don't just want to throw him out there as a closer if you need to worry about the matchup game at all. Uh, I think it's fair to say that, yeah, Will Smith over MacArthur is the way I'd like to go. I think it's fair to say both guys could save anywhere from 10 to 20 games. Both guys could save five. Maybe it's five to 20. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where neither one makes me confident. Uh, I wrote about this, uh, and I think it was in my labor draft over at FantasyGuru.com. I even considered grabbing both these guys in that 15-team mixed league, like in the 22nd, 23rd round, something like that. Uh, I don't think there's much clarity here in the bullpen. Though it has some arms, Schreiber, Anderson, Hernandez, Stratton. Like, there's some good arms in this bullpen. But to your point, it's not a sexy bullpen. Item number three, and, and this is a biggie because people care about the start of a draft, Ray. Um, you know, you're sitting there in the two-hole. Acuna's gone one. Mm -hmm. Bobby Witt right now is ADP number two. And people may see that and say, okay, I'm fine with that. People love him. I look at his number. But there's always this nagging thing. The Royals? Like, there's nobody else on this team. This team's going to be lucky to win 70 games. You know, if I really got to take my quote-unquote best player <clears throat> from one of the maybe five worst teams in baseball. That's always a fear. Mm -hmm. What about Wit rate? Number two for you, um, any any fears when you look at the overall profile? I mean, let's throw injuries out of here. You right. know, let's do that. But any, any fears? I mean, this guy has been very, very good. I, I would say he's mostly lived up to the hype. I know it hasn't been a smooth road. I mean, it was a little bit of a stumble, but when he's going, man, he he, he finds a way to some big numbers with this team. Yeah, he went 20-30 as a rookie. He was a steal away from going 30-50 in year two. Uh, he has always been talked about in the scouting community as, and I, I know we hear this term all the time, but a generational player. Like, he's that talented, and we're seeing it. I think there has to be some concern because of the team context. And there has to be some concern with the batting average. We talked about this the other day, like how aggressive do you want to be with guys that could hit 265? I think that Witt could any, hit anywhere from 255 to 290. Like there's a, a broad sp spread here with the batting average, which does cause a little bit of concern. I will say that in year two compared to year one, his walk rate went up, his strikeout rate went down, his barrel rate went up, his hard hit rate went up, his exit velocity went up, so he controlled the strike zone better. He hit the ball harder. He had more home runs. He stole more bases. The batting average went up. The on-base percentage went up. The slug, everything went in the right direction. Yeah. I think there's a chance that we get another step this year, but ultimately the value of Witt and whether he pays off the first round is twofold. One, does he stay healthy? And two, does he push for 50 steals again? Because if it's 33 steals, it's a fantastic season. But if he's hitting 268 and not 298, he really needs those steals. You know, that that draft spot number two, it, I, I will say this. And and again, I would almost look at this from league to league, setting to setting. But one thing I would say, if you're in a league with five outfielders, I might lean to Julio Rodriguez and our Mookie Betts there. Corbin and Carroll. maybe I'd lead to Betts just because of the multi-positional stuff. 
But I, I think, Ray, whenever you have like a need of that many outfielders, you know, this is no knock on wit. It's just kind of the position he plays. I'd rather get those hard hitting superstar outfielders maybe to take care of that spot a little more. And again, splitting hairs. I don't, I'm not going to blame anybody for going Bobby Witt, but that's, that's one thing I'd look at with that scenario. Yeah, that's fair. And you know, again, I don't think that Witt is a mistake at all. If you wanted to yeah. take him there, I'm totally comfortable with that. If you wanted to go in the other direction that Kyle was talking about, you, I understand the arguments there. And it, you know, the, the, the Mookie Betts one, and I'm a Mookie Betts mark. I have been forever. Everyone knows that the dual position thing with him is, is a, Big thing, and that's easily worth a couple of bucks on draft day. That's easily worth considering pushing him ahead of Bobby Witt if that's something that you're thinking about. Deep league, lots of roster spots, that's a big advantage. Witt uh, has had hype for a couple of years, and uh, he's lived up to it. Again, ADP is number two. Let's go to item number four, Ray, a guy who currently is getting a lot of hype. Uh, Cole Reagans, who while everybody was sleeping and prepping their fantasy football team last season, uh, Cole Reagans, I... I guess for two and a half months, Ray became one of the better pitchers in baseball. Um, it, it's weird. I was looking at uh, NFC, uh, NFBC ADP, and I, I see like a guy who got Cy Young votes last season just ahead of Cole Reagans. That's Justin Steele. And I see a guy who got Cy Young votes two years ago just behind Cole Reagans, and that's Dylan Cease. And I think to myself, is, is Cole Reagans in that class? So, Ray, is he in that class? What we saw at the end. It's always important. The end of last year was very good. He and Terry Skubal, who we talked about last week. I mean, these guys were, were pretty damn dominant down the stretch. Yeah. And I mean, he's an interesting guy because I know a lot of people, he's one of Reagan's is one of the in guys, right? He's one of the hot guys like Skubal that you're mentioning. I, I, I find it fascinating. And I, I looked at ADP too. And the name that popped out was the same name that popped out for you, Dylan Cease. Like for me, I'm taking Dylan Cease ahead of Reagan's 100% of the time. Just 100%. Because I think that people have a tendency, and we see it here, to take a 10-start run and extrapolate it out as if it's that's just – that's not what, that's not how this works, okay? It's just not how it works. And, you know, I think that there's there are strikeouts here. Is this a strikeout – you know, is this a an elite strikeout guy or a good strikeout guy? Let's call him a good strikeout guy. I'm not ready to say he's going to, you know, strike out 29 30% of the time in that K rate. So he's a good strikeout guy. What about the walk total? That's eh, kind of spotty, right? It's a little league average, a little worse than league average. Don't love that. You know, you look at the ground ball fly ball ratio and the way that all played out, a lot of league average stuff there. So you start putting this all together and it's like, if I give him 170 innings, which again is pushing it because he was nowhere near that last year, even though he was a couple years ago, I give him 170 innings. How many victories does he get with the Royals? Give him 175 strikeouts. Great. Give him an ERA of 3.9 and a whip of 1.25. And it's like, how much different is he than Charlie Morton? Mm. You know, and, and again, I know people, oh, all right. I'm just saying if, if the cost on draft day is 120 spots difference in ADP, I just think Reagan's is too expensive. Kyle. Well, and, and to kind of jump ahead, he's he's the guy on this team, Ray, I'm passing on because the price is so high. You mentioned those walks. He had a few games, like even when he was good, like down the stretch, I mean, he had games with four, five, six walks. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned whip one, two, five. That That's worrisome because that, you know, people don't, they don't sit there and say, "Oh, this guy's killing me because of his one-three-one whip." They don't. They don't say that anymore. But, but it is a part of the equation, and I think his whip could leave leave something to be desired. Um, and and again, I, it's kind of like the Bobby Witt thing, where I'm not going to knock Witt for being on a bad team, but I gotta knock 
Reagans for being on a bad team. Bad teams make errors, and I, you know, maybe that doesn't hurt the earned runs. What it does hurt is extra pitches, and it does keep you out there, and you don't get your five innings. Mm-hmm. You know, you have bad defense behind you, and I'm not, you know, I don't ranking all 32 teams. Where do they rank as as you know 30 teams as as defensive units? You know, the Royals may be fine. But I, I think they're not a team that uh, when you lose 100-plus games, you're a team that makes mistakes. You just are. And so that's kind of a concern I have with Reagans. If he were going, you know, as a, what is he, like the 40th pitcher, not just starting. I guess he's about the 30th starting pitcher off the board, maybe 35th. If he were going closer to like 60, Ray, 50, outside no. the top 50, I'm in. But this cost is just really high on him. Um, who is your guy to pass on with this Royals? Yeah, game? and I, I can't say Cole because you just said Cole. Let's not be the oh, same. That's why I went first. Well, uh, yeah, you <laughs> did. James MacArthur, I mean, again, I don't know. There, the, the problem with me is I look at this team and there's no one I got to have other than I think Bobby Witt is a guy I like the rest of the team. It's like, eh. Mm. How about this? I'll say Hunter Renfro because okay. Hunter Renfro is going to hit 25 home runs and he's going to bet 240 and who cares? He's going to have 71 RBIs on this team, Hunter Renfro. Uh, how about take a chance on? I'll let you go first on this. Oh, one. thank you. I want to say Mikhail Garcia, but I'm going to say Nelson Velasquez. That's the guy I'm going to go with. Again, there's a player profile that's a little a, bit. That's a, nice dig. that's a dig. I like that one. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and he, Nelson Velasquez has got legitimate power. How is the overall game going to play? You know, what is the hit tool going to allow him to do overall? But if he plays daily, and we saw it last year, he exploded for 17 home runs last year in less than 200 plate appearances. I think he can hit 30 home runs. Not a guy to reach on and get nuts with. This is like at the end of your draft, last pick kind of thing. But Nelson Velasquez. Um, I'm going to put a guy who last year I didn't want to pay the price for. We were just talking about with Reagans. I don't want to pay that price. But this year, I think the price fits. Uh, Vinny Pasquantino. Hmm. I mean, now he's like 175 or something. And honestly, if you were hyped about him Last year, I don't know why you, I guess the shoulder injury, you know, if you're into like, oh gosh, what do they lose with the shoulder injury? So that is baked into his ADP just a bit. He he appears to be healthy. You know, he's part of spring camp and maybe we'll get some results that will alleviate any fears with Pasquantino. But again, if you liked him last year, I think you still should because he did a lot of the same things in the limited time he got last year that reinforced some opinions on him. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously he didn't get to play a full season and, and the like month of April was rough, but, but he figured some things out. And again, now we've got a little bit more of experience, a little bit more of a track record, and he still appears to be the same guy. I'll say this, Ray, I was in an OBP league and mm-hmm. I was surprised that he was sitting around at the back end of the 11th round in a 15 teamer. So this was like pick 161. Okay. Which in an OBP league, again, a little different from average. It, he should be a guy, Ray, that 350's got to be there for Pasquantino, right? Yeah, and I think that what holds him back a little bit, obviously, is the shoulder issue and people are a little concerned. And he's not a 30 home run guy. And so sometimes people look at corner infielders as an example and they say, if my corner infielder is going to hit 23 home runs, that's a little light. That means I got to get a guy up the middle. I got to get Brandon Lau or something. I got to get someone up the middle to, to cover that. But if if he is who he can be, and who, in fact, we've seen when healthy at the big league level, like to your point, 350 on base percentage, batting 280, totally doable. Maybe it is only 21 home runs. It's not a sexy number there, but he's a really good hitter, and he should be someone that people should be interested in at that price point. 
And then to wrap it up on the prospect front for the second straight day, we got a team really with no prospects. And that was excusable with the Astros because they've been drafting late. They've been trading for, for big names at the deadline. It's pretty inexcusable with the Royals, is it not, Raven? You know, at this point in the development, you'd like to have another, you know, Pasquantino coming up or another Sal Perez. And I and they've got a catcher who's like 19 that they drafted, but he's not coming up. I I saw the name Caden Wallace, but again, I looked at like top 100 list, Ray, and there's maybe one Royal on there, and a lot of them don't have a single Royal in the top 100. Yeah, it's tough. I think, you know, if you look at Pasquantino, to remind people like two, three years ago, Nick Prado was ahead of Pasquantino, and Nick Prado is totally flamed out. Uh, Kyle Isabel was a prospect. He's kind of flamed out. Um, The guys that they were looking at youngster-wise just haven't gotten there, and that's a problem for an organization like this that's not spending huge other than the i mean it was surprising to see them spend on wit right but when they're not going out and signing free agents they got to develop within right and it's, it's something they have struggled with and it is unfortunate that they're in the scenario where like you're saying they don't have elite guys down on the farm because that is really something this team could use that is a look at the uh, kansas city royals uh, tomorrow the la angels are coming down the pipeline so we'll take a look at them uh let's get to our positional preview uh, talking outfielders this week, we were talking about MJ Melendez. Very cheap this year, outfield only. Uh, who knows? Twelve months from now, maybe we're throwing him into today's discussion. Surprises in the outfield, and Ray, we got to lead off with uh, this guy, Lane Thomas. I, I mean, yesterday when we were going through the the top twelve outfielders of last year, there were uh, maybe wow, okay, that guy did better than I may have expected. But, you know, Nick Castellanos, everybody knows that name, and they know he can hit 30 home runs, drive in 90-plus. You know, that's, that's expected. Lane Thomas on this list, Ray, is, is a bit of a of a shocker, I think, to people. Um, how shocked were you, A, and B, how likely can we do it again with Lane Thomas? Your Cardinals blew it, Kyle. You guys had him. Blew yeah, it. Right now. When he got uh, Dylan Carlson, Ray, he, he can't get everybody in your outfield. You know that, Dylan right? Carlson let me down, by the way, in my dynasty league. Oh, boy. Um, Lane Thomas was, and I don't really use this term frequently, but, I mean, he was a league winner last year because no one was talking about Lane Thomas. I highly doubt, even if you were in a 15-team league, he got drafted. Like, I, there was no – maybe he was a 25th-round pick or something. Like, he just – so he went nuts. He went he almost went 30-20. Played every day, scored 100 runs. He was terrific. Now, looking at the totality of his game, it's difficult for me to look at what he did last year. And I hate to say this, but I don't see any of the five categories being repeatable. Now, this is not to say he can't hit 23 home runs and and steal 17 bases, right? I'm not saying he's going to be useless this year. But a lot of what happened last year with him, I mean, he had 682 plate appearances. Mm -hmm. Like That's a massive number. So a lot of this was really volume-based. 268 batting average, 315 on base percentage. Like, these are not good numbers. These are numbers of a guy that should be hitting seventh on this team. He was at the top of the order. So <laughs> he's got power and speed, uh, and he'll, he should hit home runs and steal bases again. But I would caution people, and I think most people understand that, Kyle. You can't be expecting a full repeat of what he did last season. Um, it, it, and I hate doing that, right? It's like, great, his yeah. story. You know, yeah. nobody expected anything, and – you know, you see it in the numbers. Nobody's ex- it, it last year. It kind of was his teammate, Joey Manessis, you know, who mm-hmm. we said, Oh God, who in the hell is this guy? Right. You know, he had the great run and it, you know, he was okay last year, but he was unable to repeat it. And I, I just wonder if Thomas would just kind of slide into that. Okay. And 
I, I guess Abrams is Abrams more the leadoff hitter over Thomas now. I mean, maybe they're going to drop Thomas more into the quote unquote run producing spot in the order. I think Abrams is the guy, and Abrams should be the guy uh, at, at the top. He's more dynamic. He's younger. We talked about him earlier, though. His batting average was in the 240s last year. His hit tool suggests he's a 280 hitter, and that gets him his 350 on base percentage, and he's running wild, causing havoc. So I bet Thomas hits second. That'd be my, you know, but again, really, he's a five or six hitter. That's really who he is, but the, that's just not where the Nationals are at right now. Other names on this list, outfielders who surprised. Um, Anthony Santander with uh, Baltimore, TJ Friedel, Asturi Ruiz, Josh Lowe. Uh, Rayon Ruiz, let's start with him. Okay. He probably still still bases, right? I mean, that's okay. he's still going to get that, but is there literally anything else? And, and maybe is he even going to get as much playing time with Oakland this year? Like we always, people love drafting the the speed only guy, you know, at some point, oh, I, you know, I can get a, a category winner in the 21st round. It, is Ruiz a guy who, who deserves that sort of title? I think it's tough when you're talking about like only guys. And this is kind of like where I, how I view closers as well. Like when you're really reaching for a closer who really helps only in one category, like, is that smart because they're not well-rounded? And I think that's what we have with a guy like Ruiz. He could be a massive, like he was last year, massive difference maker in the steel call. But his overall game is lacking. It's just, it's the Billy Hamilton effect, right? It's like, okay, how we have to have our team constructed in a certain way to take on a guy that's going to hit six home runs and drive in 43, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in the case of Ruiz, I think it's possible he repeats what he did last year when he stole 67 bases. However, I'm not expecting that. And they're, they're, I don't know what the athletics are doing. We don't even know where they're playing long term, you know, we, <laughs> the whole thing. They, they said they have no fans. They had a, a the A's fans themselves did a fan fest, and there were like 25,000 people that showed up for the A's. So I don't even know what the A's are doing. But uh, Ruiz is not a great hitter. And for some reason, the A's decided he wasn't a good enough hitter to even be in their lineup down the stretch last year, which I don't understand because it's like, really? We're going with AAA guys over a dude that's going to lead the league in steals. So there is some concern about playing time. I think that there's a little bit more with his bat than we saw last year. But you know how big of an issue we're dealing with when a guy steals 67 bases and he scores 47 runs, yeah. Kyle. That's the real issue. He doesn't hit at the top of the order. He doesn't. He's, I don't think he's going to play every day. Stealing 67 bases, he should be a lock for 75 runs, right? He got 47. That's crazy. That is an absolute wild number. Uh, Josh Lowe is the one guy on this list, Ray, where he, he came up with pedigree. He was supposed mm -hmm. to be good. The issue he had a year ago on draft day is he'd been so bad in the in the limited opportunities and then we kind of wonder where in the hell are they gonna play him and he's not even gonna make the team out of camp so he was mostly ignored um he was called up and i don't want to say he was ignored ray but he was still kind of well we've been down this road it's been and ray he went bonkers i mean yep. and this is a guy you know can thomas keep it up you know josh Lowe. i think there's the expectation he stays very similar to this guy which for those who missed it was a 20-30 dude last season. I had him in 2020 in my keeper league, and I had to let him go in 2023, of course, oh, right? Year early. Hey, yeah, I know. Hey. We only keep five guys, so I couldn't do it. Okay, okay. But um, I, I think that, yeah, he pedigree, minor league performance, 2020 was going to happen with Josh Lowe. Now, like you said, it was 2030, which, again, is not outrageous at all, but this was always supposed to happen. It took longer than we anticipated all that. So what's the follow-up? I think the most intriguing thing is for a player that had significant strikeout issues, contact woes, his strikeout rate last year was 
If he maintains that, he's a different player than we were looking at with a 30% strikeout rate. I know mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like much, but that all of a sudden opens up the batting average. Maybe he can hit 270 consistently versus 240. That's a big difference. I don't think he's got a shot at all to be a 290 hitter, but could he go 20-20 again and hit 260? Yeah, and that's doable. I do worry a little bit about the batting average, and I worry a little bit about the strikeout rate. How much of those that gain does he give back? But to your point, he should go 2020 again this year. I, I'm very comfortable in saying that he absolutely has the skills to do that. Though, I also need to point out, he doesn't play against lefties. He doesn't hit lefties. They're not going to play him against lefties. So you're going to have to do a lot of mixing and matching with him because his workload probably doesn't go up much from last season because of those struggles against lefties. I, I threw Anthony Santander on this list, and he's different from the other guys because Santander was good in 2022. I just don't think people expected more, and he actually showed a bit more. Uh, and he gets lost in the shuffle in Baltimore, but take a look at his numbers now, folks. We have a legitimate hitter in the outfield. And then Ray T.J. Friedel of the Reds, um, who this is a guy who I don't think was ever considered a regular. You know, oh, T.J. Friedel's going to start and play 150 games in the outfield. But with this Reds team, he got that opportunity a year ago, and he did so well with it that he's probably locked and loaded for this team now. Yeah, when you're looking at this team, and we talked about him a lot last year, it's like he's having a really strong season. Okay, but he's he's going to be 29 this year. He's kind of looking like a journeyman player. The Reds have all of these superstar potential youngsters. Like, why would they let TJ Friedel block anyone from making the big league roster? And they kind of said, look, this dude plays good defense. He hits enough. He steals a base. We're in. And he was he was a big time surprise. He almost went 2030 himself. And so I think that he is locked into the lineup again, particularly because they do like his defense. Uh, just like we've been talking about with Lane, uh, I think that it's fair to expect the numbers to regress with Friedel. I don't think he's, I think that the biggest concern I have is the batting average. I just don't see him as hitting 280, but he will do enough that if you're smart about how you roster him and you keep those expectations, let's say 15 home runs, 20 steals, keep them where they should be. I think you'll still be pleased with what you get from him. So those are a few outfield surprises from a year ago and Ray's quick take on them for this season. Tomorrow, disappointments of 2023 and the chance for a rebound next season. Okay, Ray, pitch mixes and changes, uh, something that you're writing up each and every year. And uh, this is something people like we're in the thick of it now, you know, in February and March where we're hearing about guys who worked on something or they're adding this or they want to give batters a different look. This pitch mix thing gets a lot of attention. Um, in the preseason. And our buddy Jason Collette, I think he still follows this like crazy. He's kind of made it his thing in spring training to hunt down all the tidbits and the mentions in local papers or whatever it is with beat writers. Oh, yeah, I'm working on a cutter and, you know, kind of throwing it out there. And and I find, Ray, that probably 90% of these things uh, fade off into the ether and we never hear about them again. But it seems like every year when a guy surprises, it is because of a change. So, Take us through this, and and I guess one of the big factors for me, when do we say the change is legit and it is making a difference to the bottom line? I love, by the way, the Kota Senga thing. He had a pitch, but he wouldn't tell anyone what it was. That was the best. (laughs) I'm out of the pitch, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's Um, a left-handed throw. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's a left-handed knuckleball. Uh, and I, I just have some names there on the screen just so people can get a feel of what the article really is about. But there's a ton more that are in the article. And I think that beyond let's talk about Shane Bieber this or Grayson Rodriguez that, it is the attempt to understand what does this mean. Because you can break a pitcher down and everyone – there's a lot of great analysis out there these days, right? 
And you could look at a pitcher and you could say he's hard here. He's soft here. He goes into lefties. He has problem away with the righty. Let's throw a sinker. Okay, so he tries to throw a sinker because it fits his arm slot. It fits his pitch mix. It's what he needs. Can he execute the pitch? I, you know, just because it makes sense to do something doesn't mean you can actually execute it, right? So it's one of those scenarios that you have to talk about because it's significant. If a guy is, you know, great to the, the glove side and he struggles to, you know, the arm side and he adds a pitch that counters that, he could all of a sudden attack batters in a totally different way now. And that opens up everything, right? If the batter just doesn't look in, now he has to look away too. All of a sudden, we've just opened up the whole arsenal, and that becomes a very difficult bat versus a predictable bat. So it's important to talk about these things, but it is really difficult to get a handle because every pitching coach, every catcher, every pitcher is going to say the pitch is great. That's what they're going to say. It's hard to get enough information to feel confident that the pitch indeed is going to be great, though. Kyle. A, a critical one from this list, Ray, is Hunter Green. Because yes. we, we know what he's got at the top. And I, I would guess, Ray, if he doesn't find that third pitch this year, it, it may be silly, but are we going to the bullpen now? I mean, is he, is he like the unstoppable ninth inning dude then for the Reds who already have one and Alexis Diaz? To yeah, point. but I mean, he's a righty versus a lefty, but he could be rolled as Chapman. Yeah. Right? So it's... Yeah, people you know, forget Chapman was a yeah, starter. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so you there are a few pitchers that can succeed as starters with two pitches at an elite level, but it's very difficult to do. And when you're Hunter Green, you need that third pitch. You can't because, you know, fastball's 99, 99, 100, 99. Here comes a slider at 92. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard. Where is the 85? Yeah. Where is the, the changing of the eyesight? Where is the change in movement, right? He doesn't have that. He knows it. Um that, you know, there was a video of him talking about it, throwing the curveball and the splitter, and he's trying these things uh, after his first outing in spring. And he, he is, I liked his answer to the, the, the reporter. I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> and I'm like, God, it's so weird. I'm throwing it, but I'm not going to talk about it. Everyone knows you're throwing it, so I don't know what the, the what you're keeping secret mental, here. Mental, Ray. It's mental. The more you think about it and talk about it. Maybe, maybe. But, yeah, maybe. you know, when you throw 100 miles an hour, I mean, Hunter Green throws as hard as any starting pitcher who's ever lived. You know, he needs something. If he can get that third pitch and it's an off-speed pitch off the speed of the other, the hard stuff, we could be talking Cy Young winner here. Like, it's it's that important. He knows it. The team knows it. It's a little concerning. We're multiple years in and we still haven't got there yet. But at least he's diligently worked on it in the offseason and we'll see. If he fails here, maybe he'll go the George Kirby route, who I guess has figured everything out. He's now toying with a cur- uh, knuckleball. Is, is what George Kirby is, or, you know, which would be a true weapon if he could uh, have any chance of perfecting that. Uh, so check out the column. I've changed my pitch mix, uh, looking ahead to some of the guys to, to follow as we go into the new season. Uh, quickly on the baseball front, we got more spring games today. Uh, Jackson Holiday is going to be leading off for Baltimore today. Uh, so that'll be fun to see. Uh, Shohei Atani, guess it'll be his debut with the Dodgers hitting second. So let it begin. Otani and Dodger Blue. Beautiful, beautiful sight there. Uh, Before we get out of here, quickly on the football side, we uh, brought it up with running backs, but let's get specific. Doesn't matter if your name is um, Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler. Doesn't matter who the hell you are. Ray, all the teams that those guys played for last season. um, All reports indicate they will not play for. There's no franchise tags being handed out. Uh, they're not going to get into a bidding war. All these guys are allowed to walk if they if they'd like. <laughs> that's some RB one action from last year in a bunch of leagues too, right? Like, woof, that's some heat. 
Uh, it goes quick at the running back position. Like yeah. we talk about all the time, it goes quick and the salary goes up and teams are just out. And now, you know, we have to wait to see where they end up. Teams are going to sign these guys and it, you know, to put it out there, right? Like Derek Henry could go somewhere and still get 19 carries a game, yeah. right? Like it's his fantasy value is not torched because of this information, but we, we have to wait and see how it plays out because if he goes somewhere and it's 13 touches, obviously his value is a lot different in our game. You know, it, it obviously depends how you structure these things, but Ray, if Saquon Barkley will, will join my team that's a contender and I need a running back, if he'll join my team for 8 to $10 million a year for two years, even three years, I'm doing that. I mean, what, I mean, I know it's a high mm -hmm. – guys in free agency don't get that at running back, but right. he's still relatively young, and I still think he has difference-making ability, but – He's a very interesting case to me because I, I still think he's a good running back who isn't old and doesn't have all the mileage that you sometimes have at this point when you enter free agency. Yeah, different than Derrick Henry as an example, yeah. different than Austin Eckler as well. Uh, I think it really comes down to twofold scenario. One, a player finding an offense that he thinks he can have success in. And two, a player willing to take what is being offered. Do you just go and, you know, do you just go wherever they give you the most money and you suck? Or will you take a little bit less money to fit in a scheme that suits your skill set better? I mean, I, I think that's the debate because none of these guys are going to get the five-year, $55 million deal they want. It's not happening. It's not So they have to then decide what's most important to them, being in this location or getting that amount of money. Uh, so we shall see. Paul in the chat room, something we brought up uh, probably a week ago, two weeks ago, Derek Henry. To the, I think the Chargers are attracted to anybody with Harbaugh, with the idea they're even saying they want to run. Roman. Um, team appears to be set to to the problem is the AFC West you know you're not probably overcoming the Chiefs but you're trying to get into the playoffs and Chargers haven't been doing that enough lately so uh we'll see maybe the Chargers certainly a team Minnesota's another team Baltimore has been mentioned as a uh, possible landing spot for these names so we shall see uh that'll do it for us today a little shorter than usual Ray you got a draft coming up in just a few moments right I do yeah my uh Tout Wars draft I'm in the Solds League yay so we do Solds instead of saves we do innings pitched instead of wins and we do on base percentage instead of batting average so a little bit different i like the changes i'm part of that draft we're uh, we're getting underway a little bit here maybe we'll have a chance to talk about it on the show coming up or something but yeah i got a, about 10 minutes so that draft kicks off yep that'll be the plan we'll talk about it tomorrow justin finsterman talking some hoops with us thanks to justin he pushed his uh, visit back a day so we'll uh, get you some nba we've got uh, more baseball of course spring training results more of ray's columns over at fantasyguru.com uh, taking a look at the Angels, outfielders, all that stuff. 11 a.m. Eastern tomorrow for the one and only Ray Flowers. I am Kyle Elfrink. We will catch you on the flip side. Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.